Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey folks, welcome back to the Candlestick Pitch Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Marco, joined here by Jordan Della Valley. We're on the fantasy-focused YouTube channel, talking week 16 takeaways, and maybe some actionable items for week 17 for your fantasy championships. Jordan, what's going on, man? Not much. My, my first takeaway, Bob, I'm going to get right into it, is that fantasy can be heartbreaking at times. I had a so semifinal much. matchup in my biggest uh, money league. Heading into the afternoon slate, I was up by 35 against Montgomery, David Montgomery. Josh Jacobs. I had a five-point lead then going into the final, like, I think it was like three and a half minutes. I was doing the calculations. I saw the Bears after the Mooney uh, long catch on their last drive. I had 35 yards left. So I was like, all right, 35 yards. Raiders are over here running out the clock. 35 yards. All I need is David Montgomery basically to not catch two consecutive dump-offs for 24 yards. And that's exactly what he did. And I ended up losing my point two. It was it was heartbreaking. It was frustrating. I, I was watching stat corrections all day s- Sunday night and Monday morning, hoping for for an adjustment for the win. Uh, but instead, playing for third next week. I hate fantasy football uh, with the utmost passion. <laughs> um, I honestly like get to a point where now I'm not even disappointed anymore. Over the years, I've gotten to a point where there's just so much heartbreak, like. You know, I had I made a couple bad decisions this weekend. I played the Chiefs defense over the Eagles. I played a, uh, a Gibson over Cooper, Amari Cooper. I talked to you guys about that. And I would have won if I made those right moves. And it's one thing to say that. But the other thing that drives me crazy is that Cowboys-Washington football team game was an absolute blowout. And the way Cooper and Gibson were playing, like if they just played four quarters, I might have had a shot to win. But watching them like get taken out after the first drive in the third quarter, I was like, you know what? It, this should be expected. Why do I expect anything less? But before we dive into more of the uh, the pity fest and while we're all so sad all the time, <laughs> we're going to take a quick commercial break because all our episodes are brought to you by Bet Online AG and on the Believe Podcast Network. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back more about me and Jordan's heartbreak sagas right after this. Bet Online is back and better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NFL season and the NBA season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all football and basketball action this season. Make sure to head over to the new updated desktop or mobile website and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BELIEVE50. That's B L E A V 50. BELIEVE50 to receive your bonus. From football to basketball to NHL to boxing to UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the rest of the 2021 seasons. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Folks, before we dive into some of our takeaways for this week, I want to talk a little bit about some injuries. And before you do that, make sure you're following us across the board. If you're listening to us on the YouTube side, make sure you're following us also on the TCK side, the fantasy, uh, the the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast on all your, your podcast platforms. Make sure you're following us on Instagram and all Twitter and all that. If you've been listening to us this long, you're probably following us across the board. But yeah, 
there's some notable injuries. And I think a lot of these takeaways from this, this past week, some are going to be injury related. Some are not, but I just want to run through some of the early week injuries that could be impacting championship week, week 17. The first one's Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, it looks like he's going to be doubtful for week 17. That means we're going to have Trey Lance and, you know, I don't know how that's going to be really great for the pass catchers, but Trey Lance as a whole could be a solid fantasy option because of his legs. But I don't know how well that's going to impact Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle um, with that Lance, uh, Trey Lance situation. Carson Wentz is now on COVID. He's already been ruled out for week 17. So that's another big impact for the Colts. Um, that's like Michael Pittman. And, and, you know, obviously I don't think John, I don't think anything's stopping Jonathan Taylor at this point. But at the same time, it's still notable that he's going to be out. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he looks like he has an AC joint injury. He looks like he won't be playing this week. Does that put Darrell Williams back on that RB2 map this week? We also have Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard, which I know Jordan will talk about in a little bit because it's the Eagles. And if we don't talk about the Eagles, then what are we even doing uh, on this show? Uh, We have James Robinson and Carlos Hyde both looking to be out. Look, of course, James Robinson with the torn ACL, and Carlos Hyde is now on IR with the concussion. So it looks like Dare Ogunbowale. 17 touches last week, which is just completely insane. The rise and fall of Daryl Henderson continues as now he is out for three to five weeks. Cam Akers looks to be coming back, but it looks like this is going to be Sonny Michelle's show for this. Some minor things I've noticed too is Mercedes Lewis, COVID-19. This is notable. If you're looking for a deep t- shot to tight end, uh, the Packers tight end situation could be more clarity. Dan Arnold and two other tight ends are now on covid that could mean that James O'Shaughnessy is still on the tight end, low tight end one map if you need one. Brian Edwards, receiver for the Raiders, is now out. Um, he could be could be something with Deshaun Jackson, maybe even like a bump for Hunter Renfro. We'll see, of course, because Darren Waller might be back this week. Foster Morneau has kind of found his stride. We talk about this a little bit, but he actually led the team in routes last week. Thought that was notable. If, if Darren Waller isn't back, it could be something worth noting because now I know Brian Edwards could boop, uh, boast up Foster Morneau. We also have Julio Jones, Mike Evans on COVID. Adam Thielen re-aggravated his ankle injury. KJ Osborne came through last week, five for 68 and one. DJ Moore, hamstring injury, has not looked the same. Robbie Anderson led the team in, in actual production last week. DJ Moore's been struggling with that hamstring. We have players like Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis with COVID-19, but are they going to be back this week? We're not sure. Isaiah McKenzie, we'll talk about that in a little bit, had a very nice day. Josh Reynolds is now on COVID. Amon Ross St. Brown is white hot. Uh, he could be seeing more targets if Reynolds is out because Josh um, Jared Goff is now back from COVID officially. We saw AJ Brown. I think a lot of people are, don't forget this. I know this is just this isn't really notable for anybody. If you have AJ Brown, you have AJ Brown. But watching him on the field again was amazing. 16 targets last week, absolutely awesome. A couple other returns. Austin Eckler has been off COVID. He's going to be back this week. Kareem Hunt should be back this week. Bashard Perriman. Might not be the most notable name, but you know what? The Bucks, young Bucks receivers, really, you know, Tyler Johnson disappointed last week. He could be someone worth noting if he plays. Cam Akers, like I just brought up, he might be coming back as soon as this week comes Achilles. But it looks like that's going to be a Sony Michelle backfield for the short term. Allen Robinson off COVID, Will Disley off COVID. And then finally, I also have here Dante Harris is off suspension. I know that's a lot of injury info, but is there anything that stands out to you that you don't have in your takeaway section that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's obviously it's it's more of like a whole of like, yes, we're we're we always have injuries within fantasy football that we have to maneuver and, and think about. Of you know, you're you're a star running back who you've been riding the whole season gets injured week sixteen, week fifteen, don't have him for the playoffs, and you have to pivot. That's what we always have to deal with. 
obviously this year and, and last year as well, we have the COVID on top of it. And mm. what we're seeing, especially those last two weeks, is that you have to plan ahead where it, it's very easy to, to monitor injuries. We've gotten pretty good about being able to understand what certain types of injuries uh, players are likely going to be playing through. We can follow practice logs to understand whether they're probable, questionable, doubtful. And we can plan, you know, a couple days to a week in advance based off the injuries. But with COVID, what we're seeing is you could wake up Sunday morning, get that ESPN or Twitter alert on your phone, and you're praying that it's not a guy on your roster. Like you, you just have no clue. There's, you can't prep for that really, with the exception of how you add guys and how you handcuff, um, you know, kind of your stars. And so if you are the, um, you know, the Jonathan Taylor owner, right? There's a, a couple Colts you mentioned there. Wentz going on uh, I, or a COVID list. Uh, he's unvaccinated. So, you know, you have to think about who who is my backup plan? Like, I can't, as comfortable as I want to feel with Jonathan Taylor, I might not be able to because he may pop up Sunday or Saturday with, with, a, with a positive test. Yeah, I think at this point, too, it's like if you don't have your handcuffs and they're still out there, just have them on your benches. Unless you have, like, a, an RB3-4 that you know is better than your handcuff. Like, if you feel that your RB3-4 is better than Naheem Hines, then don't worry about it, I guess. But if Jonathan Taylor gets COVID on Saturday right before the game, Naheem Hines is going to be good. I, I think he's going to be a fine play. But now there's no Carson Wentz, like you just brought up. I think the other thing, too, is like when you – being diligent on the waiver wire last week, getting guys like Ronald Jones if they were available. I mean, listen, Daryl Uwale had 17 touches. Just barely got through saying his name, whatever. But he did play <laughs> the Jets. So that's just something to keep in mind, too, is that like – when you start getting into these RB3s and 4s on their own team, you know, the matchup's going to matter the most, right? The Jets matchup is so good for running backs that you want to play a running back no matter who he is against them. So that's why I think Dare popped up for a nice game with those 17 touches. It's not going to be the same this week. But overall, I think you got to be diligent on the waiver wire. And don't fall into this idea that you need – I know you're going to talk about starting your studs. But if your stud has a very bad matchup, there's injuries around, if he loses his starting – look at Alvin Kamara last week. I mean, listen, he was very bad for fantasy. I think a lot of people will be like, start your studs. But unfortunately, because they're down to a rookie quarterback who hasn't taken a snap all year, he ends up being a dud. So it's just, you have to be a little bit flexible with this stuff, especially in week 17. Ideally, you would start, just set it and forget it. But don't be afraid to start a you know lesser player in a much better matchup if your stud is going to be dealing with backup quarterbacks, backup offensive linemen. So we'll talk through that in just a little bit. Before we do, though, I want to just take a quick commercial break because one of our sponsors for this segment today is for Cara Factor, who's going to be talking about our top takeaways from week 16. We'll jump on to Cara Factor. And after that, we're going to dive right into this. We'll be back right after this. Hey, TCK Potters and Fantasy Focus community. Are you looking for options for hair loss? There are many options out there for treating it. However, most products treat the cause, such as DHT, and don't do much to support the growth of new and stronger hair. It's like removing harmful weeds from your lawn, but not doing much to fertilize the grass. That's why the Fantasy Focus and TCK team has partnered with CaraFactor. CaraFactor saw this problem and focused their research on finding just the right combination of biosynthetic growth factors and an innovative delivery system to promote fuller, stronger looking hair. So whether you're a listener who suffers from various forms of alopecia or even stress-related hair loss, the Care Factor treatment is the perfect scalp-friendly solution that can help and influence stronger and healthy 
hair throughout all stages of the hair life cycle. And now, exclusively for TCK listeners, use the promo code TCK at checkout to get 15% off all products at shop.mycarafactor.com. That's shop.mykerafactor.com. Carafactor, skincare for hair. All right, Jordan, let's get into it, man. Let's talk about some top takeaways. I gave you a little bit extra of assignment this week. I said, let's try to find takeaways from week 16 that we can also kind of weave into actionable things for week 17. So who's what's your first takeaway from last week's action that you feel can impact week 17? Of course, I'm going to, I'm going to start my first takeaway with a, a bird's takeaway. You mentioned it earlier. How can I not talk about the Eagles? But the main takeaway here for me is that I highlighted Miles Sanders as a potential league winner a couple weeks ago when I did that episode with Sky because of what we saw and how we started to see the Eagles run game start to to trend and and improve and how Sirianni was starting to run the ball more effectively in that offense. And we're now seeing it uh, continue. And the back half of the schedule last week against the Giants, next week against Washington football team. uh, Obviously, you know, hopefully your fantasy playoffs are done for week 18, but, you know, they would play Dallas who – uh, may or may not be playing their stars their full game. They just clinched their, their playoff spot and don't really have a have a shot at the bye anyway. Um, but because this Eagles run game is being now effective, you add in the Miles Sanders injury, obviously, with his hand. He was dealing with a quad injury last week as well, ended up playing through it, looked fine, uh, started out seven carries for I think like 40, 45 yards. Um, and so we've seen this, this Eagles run game, even without Sanders, still be effective. I mean, we take Jordan Howard on this, who's, I don't know how old he is now, 32, 33, has had 75 carries. I don't don't think he's that old. I think he's like 26. I don't think Jordan, no, Jordan Howard? No way. I got to check this. For a running, for a running, you, you, well, I read off this, but 26 for a running back feels like 32. But regardless. Uh, He's he's actually 25. He's actually 27 years old. He just turned 27. (laughs) But yes, running back years. I was was getting concerned. No, no, 27. (laughs) Yeah. So, so 27 year old uh, Jordan Howard has 75 carries on the year. He's averaging over five yards per attempt and has three touchdowns because of how effective the Eagles run game is. Compare that to Bob. This isn't a dig. It's just because we just played the, the Giants. Say Barkley, who obviously has talent-wise much more talent than Jordan Howard. I think we can all agree there. But has 130 carries for only 460 yards, averaging only three and a half yards per attempt. So obviously Saquon has more game, but in terms of effectiveness, Howard is being more effective running behind that Eagles offensive line. And so my takeaway here is that if you're looking at at, at running backs of who to start in your you know, championship or your, your third place matchup here with fantasy. Don't just look at obviously the names and the talent level, but look at the matchups, right? You mentioned earlier how, how Dari had a great game against the jets, but do we really expect him to have that production level next week when he's facing a, a tougher matchup? Probably not, but the Eagles now with Miles Sanders being injured, you have the optionality of adding Jordan Howard or potentially Boston Scott, even off of the waiver wire. They're likely not owned. Um, and you know, they're coming up against Washington football team who just gave up two touchdowns to Ezekiel Elliott and 56 points to, to the Dallas Cowboys. So, uh, I'd be looking at Howard and, or Boston Scott, probably prioritizing Howard a little bit more. 
Yeah. And Howard's dealing with a stinger himself too, right? So we want to make sure we – I would just – if you have Howard, pick up Scott. I think because, you know, that stinger could keep him out. But if it doesn't – I listen, the Eagles running game – I mean, Miles Sanders, if he could just stay healthy, would be amazing. <laughs> but, I mean, he just like – he just takes your soul. He's the definition of fantasy disappointment right there. But the rushing game for the Eagles outrageous. Mine is actually the Bengals passing attack and the Ravens secondary. Um, it's hard to – when you're watching trends – the Ravens secondary has fallen from grace so fast because of their injuries. And then we're watching the Bengals passing game be what we thought it would be all year because they're throwing the ball now. I mean, I was talking about this a couple weeks ago that the Bengals are one of the least, uh, the lowest first expectation passing attempts in the league. And now all of a sudden Joe Burrow leads the league on the week in passing attempts and everybody has a great game. Chase Higgins goes off. Uh, Boyd gets the end zone and like this is what we thought this would be all year um, and now they're playing the Chiefs next week so you know Kansas City wants to get Kelsey back that game should be I don't expect the Bengals passing tech to be that good because the Chiefs secondary is white hot they're a very good defense right now but same time that could be a fun little shootout you know the Chiefs as good as the, the Bengals defense has been all year they are good. The Chiefs are going to put up points. So you're going to see, you know, that 24 to 27 range most likely in those games. So I like the T Higgins and rolling out those guys. But I think the bigger takeaway is the Ravens secondary. They are, they went from one of the better defenses in football to this is just horrific. I mean, 500 passing yards is not even real. Like that's like, what do you, this is like video game stuff. This is like, this is like on rookie mode in Madden. Like that's basically what happened here. And this week they get the Rams. So it's not like it's going to get much easier. A very similar team in the sense that, you know, Bengals head coach Zach Taylor did coach under Sean McVay. They did have that connection. You know that Stafford has. He has Odell, Van Jefferson, and, of course, Cooper Cup. You know, he's got the three receivers. He's got Matthew Stafford. So I think if you have a Rams quarterback, if you have Matthew Stafford, you got to give him in your lineups this week, especially if Lamar comes back and the Ravens are be able to put up points. But more importantly, I think if you have Odell, Van Jefferson – those guys are definitely solid wide receiver threes. And if you have Cooper Cup, congratulations. It's not going to get any any better for anybody facing him this week. But overall, I think I'm leaning that the Ravens secondary is a huge liability. I think the Rams have a big week in week 17. So what's your next takeaway, Jordan? Yeah, my next one is uh, looking at Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, obviously, over the last four weeks, he's starting to emerge and, and, and become a little bit more consistent. And we see this typically a lot with rookie wide receivers it's one of two stories one they get off to a hot start and seem to fade the the uh, second half uh look at jamar chase right he's almost had the uh flip season of of what amon ross st brown's right having right now um or it seems to be the slow start in the first half and emergence in the second half but what's interesting about amon ross st brown uh last four weeks was the wide receiver six wide receiver 28 wide receiver six and wide receiver six um, in PPR formats, uh, and has done that on uh, 11 or more targets in all four of those games. He's also done it with two different quarterbacks, right? He did it with Jared Goff, and now, obviously, when Goff hit the COVID IR, the question was, is he going to be able to do it with with backup Tim Boyle? Uh, still got the target volume, and this is just where you know they're going to be in in games where they need to throw, and they're going to be behind often, and that's just the game script that they've been in. All year. Uh, credit to Dan Campbell, though. I mean, a lot of their games have been a lot, a lot closer than I think anyone really expected, um, given the talent level that they had coming in. But what's really interesting about uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is he's been doing this, obviously, without DeAndre Swift and without TJ Hawkinson. And so 
next week uh, playing against Seattle, like you're going to have, you're going to be fine. I don't think Detroit's going to rush back. I mean, Hawkinson's out for the year, but uh, Swift, I know every time he gets questionable to play and then ends up not playing. I mean, he shouldn't play. There's no need for him to, but you're going to be fine starting him this week against Seattle. The real question is, you know, if you're looking more broadly at uh, fantasy football, if you're in any keeper leagues, any dynasty leagues, um, and you, you could move him in, in this offseason, I think this may be the peak, right? The question is, how long is he going to be able to sustain this target volume moving into next year when Hawkinson comes back healthy, Swift comes back healthy? Who knows what, what assets they add in the offseason and through the draft? Um, you know, it's just going to be a question of, Yes, he, he still could be the number one receiver for this team, but is he going to be the top target option like he has been the last four weeks? I think you would probably be selling him at his highest uh, value if you were going to move him this offseason. Yeah. And and listen, I, I think the other thing with this Detroit Lions, you can say what you want about Jared Goff, but they don't have an elite wide receiver on this team. I mean, Josh Reynolds and Khalif Raymond and you know Quintez Cephas and all these guys have been floating around all year. They need, like, Jared Goff, they've actually played pretty well for the fact that, you know, everyone hates on Jared Goff. But the thing is, when you don't give him the talent around him, he's actually done pretty well. So I agree that this actually, that's a great way to think about it. This might be the peak Amon Ross St. Brown trade value, especially in Dynasty. That's a good call. Um, my next takeaway is the Dallas passing attack. And, you know, one of the things I was thinking about all week was Amari Cooper, the squeaky wheel. And, you know, I was kind of like, you know, I just feel like Amari Cooper has, he voices a pay, and sure enough, he goes, all in the first half, this offense goes nuclear in the passing game. Amari Cooper goes 7 for 85 and 1, completely dominates. They blow the doors off the Washington football team, who had their problems with COVID. They were missing some guys in the secondary, I know. But this week, the Dallas Cowboys get the Arizona Cardinals, who early on in the season were one of the tougher secondaries. And over the last five weeks, they've allowed the most fantasy points to wide receivers. Over the, uh, so, that is that's a recipe for success when you have Gallup, CD Lamb, Amari Cooper now going up up against this Arizona reeling secondary who's letting up a bunch of points. I think that means you should have all the confidence in the world. Obviously, Amari Cooper's had his low lights, but I think him squeaking the wheel a little bit puts him right back on that wide receiver two map for this championship week. I think Dak gets in there, but I like the game flow. I like the excitement of Dallas versus Arizona in this game. I know the the Dallas Cowboys defense is white hot. They're, they're getting after the quarterback. They have all the guys up front. But I think the Arizona uh, Cardinals, you know, with Kyler Murray, could scheme up things to get Kyler Murray out of that pocket and get them moving the football too. So I really like the Dallas Cowboys passing tactics week. And I think the biggest takeaway is I know Cooper has been kind of a pain in the ass, but I think you get him in your lineups this week along with CeeDee Lamb. You could probably even play Michael Gallup in this matchup. All right, what's your next takeaway, Jordan? Give us number three. Yeah, my next one's going to be uh, that understanding the, the – COVID rules uh, and, and guidelines, the all the protocols that these players have to go through is actually something that as a fantasy manager is going to help you um, understand what the likelihood is, likelihood is of your players playing or not playing. And so I'm going to take a, a case study here of, of the Bills wide receivers. Both Cole Beasley and Gabriel Davis, obviously a, a wide receiver two and three for this Bills team uh, behind Stephon Diggs, uh, have been on the COVID list. But because both are unvaccinated, they're required to be on uh, out for, for 10 days from that first uh, positive test because of their unvaccinated status. And so what that means is, I, I forget the exact day that they tested positive, but basically they're not eligible to even come off that list until I think later this week, maybe Thursday or Friday. And so 
that's not only are you coming close to and, and limiting the amount of tests that you, you could then test out of the protocols and play in Sunday's game, but you're missing practices, right? Like think about all the times that players miss practice due to injury or, you know, this year due to COVID. And just because they, they have missed practice, they, they're not, you know, in the games, in the game scheme or, or you know, have the rapport with the quarterback, whoever, whatever the case may be. Um, and seem to a, if they do get back, not perform to expectations or, you know, previous levels that we've seen in weeks prior. Um, but you're obviously also limiting, uh, you know, the likelihood that they play. And so turning that into a, a, a takeaway for, or a, a player to add for your week 17 championship is obviously Isaiah, uh, McKenzie who filled in very nicely as, uh, well, Technically, the Bills wide receiver, too, but in terms of stats, was the wide receiver one this week. Uh, mm -hmm. 12 targets, 11 receptions, 125, and one. Uh, if Cole Beasley and um, Gabriel Davis were to miss again, I mean, McKenzie has to be, even at worst, the, the number three option in this Bills office and offense in terms of receiving behind Stephon Diggs and Dawson Knox. Even if you're, you know, the number three receiving option in this Bills offense, that's something I would love to have and start, especially as, you know, a wide receiver three on my fantasy team. You combine that with the fact that they get to play the Atlanta Falcons next week. Mm -hmm. Fantastic matchup, likelihood to find the end zone and be in the red zone often for this offense. I mean, there's a ton of touchdown upside coming off of a hot week being potentially the wide receiver two on that team, depending on the COVID vaccination or the, the COVID statuses for Beasley and Davis. McKenzie's someone I'm, I'm prioritizing on the waiver wire and, and could win people uh, championships next week. Oh yeah. And I, I agree with that 100%. He looked awesome in the Atlanta Falcons, Matt. That was actually one of my takeaways that I actually bumped off because you actually called it. Fantastic call there. And the other thing with this COVID stuff that's keep in mind that they just came out with more regular and more updates about how, that if you're asymptomatic and you test positive earlier in the week, but you're asymptomatic, you have five days, you could be out. So the quarantine period is less now. And if you get a negative test or something after that, they're willing to let you back on the field. So they're saying now like guys at like Carson Wentz could be back for their game this Sunday. So we'll see. But you just, just like daily. I mean, honestly, this is the, my biggest advice for you now with COVID. You need to be watching. I would suggest following, uh, going on Twitter and just making sure you have Adam Schefter, and Ian Rappaport and any kind of, uh, you know, person set up where you send you the alerts. So you're the first person to know because this stuff can change rapidly. And in the middle of the week, someone hits COVID and that one player you scoop up can help you win that championship. So we'll, we'll definitely stay on top of that. Before we move on to my next takeaway, we're going to take a quick commercial break for one of our new sponsors, Lightbox. And we'll be back right after this. Shouts out to our new sponsor, Lightbox. Say goodbye to the dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are just grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones of blush pink, beautiful blue, as well as classic white diamonds. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off and priced so they won't have to. They really make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com and add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. 
Lightbox Diamonds. Never a dull moment. My next takeaway is actually the same team, and it's Devin Singletary. And we've been trying to figure out the Bills situation all year. Uh, Zach Moss looked like he was good. Nat Breda was a hot thing for a second. And then full, sure enough, we come full circle, and it's Devin Singletary. And I know the Bills' rushing attack isn't exciting overall because it's been overshadowed by Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. But Brian Dayball, their offensive coordinator, is a run game guru. This guy has, you know, Peyton, I've talked brought this up a hundred times, the Peyton Hillis dominant Madden cover season. That was that was Brian Dayball. Jamal Charles, 1,500 uh, yard rushing season. That was Brian Dayball. And the other thing now with Singletary, even though it doesn't look good, he's just getting a boatload of touches. 17 touches last week, 78 yards, a touchdown. And then like just George just brought up, he's playing Atlanta this week. So, you know, Zach Moss was activated and actually Matt Breda has been taken off. That's something you want to monitor, but it looks like that they trust Devin Singletary. It's his backfield. And when you give me that offense with that quarterback playing in a good matchup, I actually trust Devin Singletary as an RB2 this week. We have to throw out what happened early on this season. This guy is getting the work, and I think I trust him this week as an RB2 in a plus matchup, in a good offense, and the Bills need to win. I mean, this, this is a neck-and-neck neck race for the top seed in the AFC as well. So that's my third takeaway. Jordan, give us another takeaway from Week 16's action. Absolutely. I'll stick at the same position, different team. I'm going to go with the Broncos running backs playing with Drew Locke. I mean, this game for Denver was just atrocious, especially for these two running backs. You have potentially, you know, we've been saying all season long, you can start both. They're both, you know, startable, Melvin Gordon and, and Javante Williams. Um, a lot of people thought maybe Javante Williams would pull out here at the end of uh, the season here and, and take over more of the workload, but they've pretty much had a 50-50 split. This game was no different. They still had a 50-50 split, but of 14 total carries. Seven carries each, eight total yards. I think Melvin ended with, like, negative yardage in his run game. Seven carries for negative four. I mean, I, Bobby, I don't know about you. I think I could fall forward a couple times, maybe end with two yards. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I mean, it just – it didn't look good. And, and the weird thing about it was that it was against the, the Las Vegas Raiders. And I think what happened here is that the Raiders were just able to – to bring more guys to the line and stack the box more against this, this Broncos offensive line with Drew Locke under center. I mean, I wouldn't be worried about Drew Locke throwing on me. It was, I think they took the approach of prove to me that you can beat me. Prove to mm -hmm. me that you can throw to Cortland Sutton, Jerry, Judy, Noah fan, Tim Patrick. Um, and until you can, I'm going to stop the run. I'm going to stop Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. Um, and that's, that's what happened. And so the question is going to be looking forward. The Broncos now have the Chargers next week where Rex Burkhead puts up 30-plus fantasy points or Great. 28, something like that, right? I mean, you don't need the, a terrific run game to do well against this Chargers run uh, defense. But the question is, are they going to watch game film with this Raiders defense and go, huh, well, if it's Drew Locke under center, we just have to do that. And so the question is, obviously, uh, Teddy Bridgewater is still in, in concussion protocol. Uh, he is not yet cleared. So that's something to watch over this week that may impact your starts at decisions of Javante Williams or Melvin Gordon. Quite frankly, the receivers, too, as well um, for this Broncos offense. I mean, I think I, just as a whole, there's a reason Bridgewater's, Bridgewater is the starter. He's a better quarterback for this team. They're a better offense when he's under center. Um, 
And so it's, it's going to be a real swing in, you know, personally, my start sit decision of Javante Williams or Melvin Gordon, if it's Teddy or Drew. Yeah. Uh, I, I taught, this is kind of why me, me and uh, Scott talked about this earlier in the off season. I was like, I like the Broncos running backs eat with Teddy because Teddy uses them in the passing game more. Locke does not. And we just saw it on display teams. They just not scared by Locke. That's a great call. My guy's another running back. It's Rashad Penny. And man, oh man, like talk about coming full. I mean, in the off season, I talked about Penny a little bit because the guy's a first round pick averages five yards per carry in his career, but he just can't stay healthy. I mean, it's it, it kind of came full circle this season with Chris Carson's injury, but I mean, over the last month, the guy's third in the NFL in rushing yards and he's got three rushing touchdowns. He's had two monster games last week, 17, um, he had 17 for 135 and one against the Bears. Now this week he gets Detroit. It's crazy to think that the Seattle Seattle Seahawks, for what it's worth, they want to establish the run, but they're a team that's committed to the run. So they will continue to run. They will give him 15-plus touches. But now that there's Alex Collins has been kind of kicked to the side, they have no Chris Carson, then DJ Dallas and company have not proven to be as capable as Rashad Penny Listen, I, I, I got to say, he's an RB2 this week against Detroit. You know the game's going to be competitive because that's the way Detroit plays. So you know they're going to give him the touches. Plus, Detroit is not a scary matchup for running backs in general. So at this point, you have to forget all the injuries. It's He looks healthy. I mean, like, holy crap. Like, Rashad Penny in Dynasty, if you somehow just sat on him and he's a free agent now, I mean, he could be someone special. He could be coming back to Seattle. Who knows? But I really like Rashad Penny. What I'm seeing from him, he just – is getting it done, and he has another plus matchup against Detroit. So what's your last – sorry, that's a, four of our takeaways apiece. What's your last takeaway from Week 16, Jordan? Yeah, so my last one isn't a, isn't a specific player. It is based off of what we saw last week in Week 16. But my last takeaway or, or biggest advice here going into your championship week is to not be afraid to sit your studs. And we mm. saw last week your Camaras, your Tyreek Hills, to an extent, your Keenan Allen's, although that one isn't one that I think you had any reasoning to think to sit Keenan Allen. But you look at some of these typical fantasy studs who are just thrown into terrible situations on a you know depending on the week. Tyreek Hill misses all week of practice with COVID. He's coming back off of uh, that list, and even though him and Mahomes have a rapport, like you didn't expect that that game to be close. You knew it was going to be a, a pretty lopsided affair right and so Tyreek Hill kind of busts for you Alvin Kamara is playing with a third string quarterback against a tough defense because of COVID uh again similar to, to what happened with the Broncos where you can just focus on taking away one guy in Alvin Kamara and just make the rest of the team beat you and until they do then you keep focusing on Alvin Kamara and so the question the the, the takeaway here is that Heading into your fantasy championship, like this is the last week that you have. Like you, if you lose it, it doesn't matter. You're coming in second. If you win, you you'll win the the league. But there's no winning you're in. You don't have to worry about any points scored in the regular season and missing out on anything like that. You have to have the confidence, I think, to look at this as a one week season and say, who is going to deliver for me this one week? Does not matter if Tyreek Hill is the wide receiver three on the season. If he's, you know, got a tough matchup and a poor game script and I have a viable option. Now, I'm not saying to, to throw a, a Quez Watkins in there for, for Tyreek Hill just because Quez is facing the Washington football team. But you have to be able to 
uh, you know, take an objective look at, throw away the rest of the season and look at just this week only. Don't be afraid to sit a guy just because of the name uh, based on matchup. Uh, you know, the, the rest of the team situation too. Don't just look at his, his COVID scenario, his injuries. Look at the rest of the team and how you think that offense or that defense or that matchup is going to play out. Is there any specific player you have in mind right now that you would potentially sit this week? Well, I, I don't know if this is a stud, but one that I'm personally considering uh, sitting now is, is Michael Pittman. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously with Wentz out, he's been leading the Colts in, in target share for the whole year. I mean, the last two weeks, I think he had over 40% target share in the last two weeks, uh, each of those two games with whoever's under center. If Carson Wentz is out, um, regardless of the matchup, I think Pittman might be someone that I'm looking to sit this week. Yep. Uh, I just have breaking news. Uh, John Madden passed away, which is just oh, like crazy. Wow. I mean, uh, I just saw it pop up on my feed and nuts. Like this guy is like, we all basically grew up with John Madden, played Madden football and all that stuff. His, he was one of the best announcers ever. I mean, still hasn't been replaced. I love listening to that guy uh, football. I mean, that's where we grew up. So it's one to give John Madden a quick shout out, you know, respect to him and his family and, you know, ripe and all that stuff. It's crazy, but he passed away unexpectedly this morning. So tough, tough, tough loss for the NFL community over there. Um, Just want to do my last one. Uh, I'm going to actually, Jordan, I'm going to cheat a little bit here. Uh, I'm going to say my last one and then give you just a couple other ones. I wrote down a bunch anyway, but my last one is Chase Edmonds. And because of the James Conner injury, Chase Edmonds, they gave him the workhorse role. And he had 24 touches, eight receptions last week. And if it looks like Connor, because of the ankle injury, he actually could have potentially played this week, but they're being conservative with him. And I think that Chase Edmonds, if they don't play Connor again, they're trying to save him for because they did technically make it. They're in the playoffs, so they don't need to necessarily, you know, rush Connor back. Net, so I know they're jockeying for position, but I will say this Chase Edmonds, if he, if there is no James Connor, the guy was an absolute workhorse. So they are using him similar to the way he used Connor. You know, those 24 touches are going to be impossible to replicate. I know they have a tough matchup against Dallas this week for running backs, but at the same time, if there is no James Conner, you got to get Edmonds in there. You're not going to find a, a running back that gets that level of touches, receptions in the passing game on an elite offense. He's another solid RB2. A couple less ones I want to bring up quick. Jamal Williams, and that, you know, I'll just get your feedback on these. Jamal Williams had 19 attempts last week. Uh, I know him and Craig Reynolds were splitting some work, but uh, Jamal Williams came right back in, and you just brought up Swift. It makes zero sense to bring him back. You're not winning anything. What's the point of aggravating the injury? Get him healthy for the offseason. But Jamal Williams gets Seattle. Not the greatest matchup, but it should be a competitive game. If you're desperate at running back, he did get 19 attempts last week. Zach Ertz, because of the injury to DeAndre Hopkins, Ertz has been over 90% routes run to dropbacks over the last two weeks. He had 13 targets, which is just crazy, and he led the team in routes this week. He has an average matchup against the Cowboys, which should be a high-scoring game. Byron Pringle, I mean, 6 for 75 and 2 last week. I know Travis Kelsey will be back, but he did lead the team in routes, and he also played primary in the slot, so I like that usage. It helped kind of give him – he's been kind of easing himself up the ladder, you know, passing Robinson, passing Hardman, and now he's getting a prominent role. Could be something there. For the future and dynasty and stuff like that, Jalen Waddle, 12 targets to zero for Parker. Thought that was notable. They have a very good matchup against the Titans this week. Then Cordell Patterson's usage. I mean, we typically talk positive on the show, but eight <laughs> touches last week. Very weird. They have dialed him back significantly. 
which doesn't make any sense because he was literally like their best player. I mean, they're still winning football games. The Falcons are still in it, but eight touches. Now he gets Buffalo and Buffalo is a run funnel defense and you can run against Buffalo, but it's not an ideal matchup. So just quick thoughts on a couple of those takeaways. Any thoughts about Patterson, Jordan, um, before we head out? Yeah, the, the interesting thing to me about Patterson is that the Bills being a run funnel defense is that Patterson wasn't really, I mean, both in his talent set as well as how he scored his fantasy points, wasn't your traditional running back, right? And so the question is, like, even though the Bills is a, is a the Bills are a uh, run funnel defense, like, I don't know if I still look at that as a plus matchup for Cordell Patterson in, in just how he typically has been used. And like you mentioned, his usage has just fallen off the cliff. Why? I don't know. Um, but I'm not too excited about it. And again, this is where we're talking about championship week, where if you if you have Cordell Patterson, he's either a late round flyer or a waiver wire pickup, that unless you got ravaged by injuries as well as, you know, who, who hasn't, but if you don't, you probably have two better options to start. I would assume uh, if you don't, you're probably not in the championship, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, that, that was me in, in the, in the, actually the TCK pod listener league. I, I made it to the playoffs. I think I was like the three seed. I had Cordell and James Connor. And then with the Connor injury and, and Cordell's usage falling off the cliff, uh, clearly didn't make it to the championship. So I didn't have two other options, but if you're in the championship with Cordell, you probably do. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking to sit him. Yeah. All right, man, those are our takeaways from this week. That's a pretty solid show. And I wish nothing but luck to you beautiful people that made it to the championships in your leagues. Um, obviously, if you did it, that's okay. And if you're still here, there's still DFS. Wallace and me and Buck will be talking tomorrow about some of the key starts. Hey, last week we got Joe Burrow right, so at least we can hang our hat on that. So that's good news. But before we go, Jordan, we do have one question. We'll jump in here. This is a great scenario here, right? We just talked about Michael Pittman. Would you would you actually sit him for your boy Devonta Free uh, Devonta Smith in the fantasy championship? I would. I mean, th- this is assuming that Wentz does not play, um, that he's out with COVID. If Wentz plays, I would I would prefer to play Pittman. I'm going to trust the 40% target volume and, and what we've seen those that offense be. But without Carson Wentz, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd <clears throat> I'd feel fine starting Devonta Smith over Pittman. Um, they get the Washington Football Team. We obviously know what. That defense can give up to the wide receiver position. Smith is coming off of a hot week as well. Um, I think he had like a 15, 15 yard average depth of target last week. So, in this scenario, championship week without Wentz, I'd, I'd start Devonta over over Pitt. Yeah, we don't really have a game either where we haven't seen Wentz yet this season. So it'd have been nice to see what the their backup if he still is, you know good enough to support a Michael Pittman. But like you said, this is the week. This is it. There is no brownie points. This is it. If you got to put your best foot out there. So if you need to sit your stud and make sure you have a good uh, alternative, you're not just sitting your stud. You're not sitting a player like Pittman for anybody, but if you have Smith, I agree. You play Smith that there is no Carson Wentz. All right. First of all, that's great. That's a great show, man. Honestly, I really do appreciate your time. This was a lot of fun. Always great takeaways. I know next week is kind of the last week. Not even a lot of people will be playing week 18 fantasy football. So we'll do some takeaways, but Jordan, it's been a heck of a run, a lot of fun. Uh, I think we're going to have a bunch of things to talk about this offseason. I have a lot of reflection to do. I'm going to take a look. I'm going to take about a month of just reflecting on 2021 and see where I went wrong. And we're going to talk a lot about that this offseason. Um, but I think we're going to come back better than ever. But uh, is there anything you want to tell the people before we go? 
No, I mean, I think you hit on all of it. Uh, it's for everyone out there in your championships. Good luck. Pray for your players. Pray for that that Twitter alert to not be your guy. Um, but always know that when you do get that alert, if, if someone's opportunity is closing, likely there's going to be someone who's stepping up, right? It, it could be your Tyler Johnson, your Bashad Perrimans, Antonio Browns, uh, Ronald Jones, Justin Jackson, right? So like Bobby mentioned earlier, just stay, stay alert to all that. Make sure you're following alerts are set up and uh, good luck. Yeah. I didn't get Justin Jefferson, uh, Justin Jackson last week. And I just, now it's just, it haunts my dreams because I remember just like not Eckler, the situation with COVID cause he wasn't on the list and I didn't grab him. And then I was like, you know what? I'll just grab him just in case that someone scooped him up in my league because I hesitated, never hesitate. Could have had him in my flex. Who knows? Could have been in the championship. But anyway, once again, this is the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast on the Fantasy Focus YouTube channel. Uh, make sure to shout out to all our sponsors, the Jersey Jungle. Make sure you're checking them out at the Jersey Jungle on Instagram. You get 10% off one, two jerseys and 15% off three jerseys if you use the promo code TCK. Make sure you're also checking out Bomba and Hot Sauce. Uh, use that promo code TCK, 10% off at SeekTheSpice.com. And make sure you're joining us this Sunday live every Sunday, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. We do start sits, and if you're in championship week or if you just want to hear some banter, come on, join us every Sunday live. All of us will be on for, I think this might be the last weekend. We don't know, but we're just trying to finish the season strong. Really do appreciate it. Once again, our episodes are all part of the Believe Podcast Network and brought to you by Bet Online AG. I'm your host, Bobby LaMarco. Shout out to Jordan. Great show, buddy. And I will see you all tomorrow with me and Buck for our starts of the week. Have a great weekend if we don't see you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.